Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome, boils and ghouls, all the Talking Terror fans nationwide and worldwide, ladies and germs. It is once again time for Talking Terror. We are live tonight, ready to come at you, breaking open this holiday season, which is now upon us. So if you celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, guys, for all those people out there that celebrate that. We are going to go a different route with our Yuletide Terror of tonight, which is the Ghoul Geeks pick, 2017's Better Watch Out directed by Chris Peckover, so you better watch out for a fresh podcast coming right at you. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back. Hope your week's going well. Hope your weekend was even better. Uh, and as always, I am joined by, I believe, the bold, the beautiful, the gold geek, Keith. And I believe we are still on mute with him. So instead, I will go over to the other co-host that we have tonight, the Mad Monkey, banging on his cage out of tapioca. So obviously, you know, he's ready. Monkey. Hey there, Fright fans. This is Talking Terror's furry little <coughs> monkey horror host. The Mad Monkey broadcasts you live, as always, from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. Hey there, King. Happy Hanukkah to all, all, all of our listeners. Um, but also, on top of that, Krampus Night. <laughs> all of you horror fans out there, yes, tonight is Krampus Night. So you better be good, because... St. Nicholas is there on your side, but Krampus is there on your ass. So you have better been good, or he's coming to get you. I'm excited about tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Did I forget that it's Krampus knock tonight? Damn it. Forgot to put out my cookies for Krampus. He's going to be pissed. (laughs) Well, like, we leave milk and cookies out for Santa. I think we leave, like, um, beer and hot wings out for Krampus. Right. Um, well, as we wait for uh, the ghoul, because I know he had put himself on mute at the start, since you did bring up Krampus, uh, do you want to tell our listeners at home a little bit about Krampus as a creature for Christmas? Because I think Krampus is something that uh, a very select few people know about. They might have heard the name, but they don't really know much of the lore. So do you know any of the lore behind Krampus? I know some of the lore because I didn't even know about Krampus until I started dating the diva, and she introduced me to this weird-ass holiday that happens over in Europe. It's, I know it's celebrated in parts of Germany and mm-hmm. other parts of Eastern Europe, and you have St. Nicholas that goes around and does his thing at Christmas time, but then you have Krampus that goes around and collects all the naughty children and believe puts them in a sack and carries them off. Um, and, and, and that's pretty much what I know about. It's just that, and then in certain parts of Europe, they have big-ass parades in the middle of the night where there's fire all over the place, and you have people dre- dressed up in these killer Krampus costumes just going mm-hmm. down the street, ba- banging drums, making noises. a wild-ass thing, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, um... I know a couple of years ago, I think, 
uh, one of my Facebook friends uh, was posting videos of Krampusnacht, uh, which happens in Austria. And she was saying, oh, my God, we have to go. And it was just nothing but fire twirlers and a bunch of people dressed up like Krampus and there was chains and people just drinking and having a good time. I was like, man, we are missing out. Austria is the place to be on Krampusnacht. So, <laughs> you know, you might love Santa, but I love Krampus. Yeah, and, and the amount of work that these people put into these costumes for the, the Krampus, like with, with just making the costumes, making the hooved feet, and then the masks are ju- just amazing, man. I, I, I love the amount of our detail that they put into these masks that they make. Truly uh, so much detail. And this is also something, um, I think I had actually mentioned it to you, Monkey, but I don't know. Uh, Michael Doherty did a film a couple of years ago called Krampus. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. I've seen it. Not really, uh, not really my cup of tea. But there is a direct correlation between Trick or Treat and Krampus. I didn't know if you knew that because I know that you love Trick or Treat, especially around Halloween time. I do love Trick or Treat. It is my go-to <laughs> movie every Halloween. And yeah, I do know about the one scene about the the candy that was in the movie. Mm-hmm. It was a, a deleted scene. Uh, where I guess the kids are going through a box of candy and other treats. And one of the pieces of candy is the broken lollipop that Sam yeah. carries around the trick-or-treat. So, I was like, oh, look at that. You know, Sam and Krampus have a connection, which is cool. Yeah, and then there was talks about um, Doherty was possibly trying to do something else. I was going to bring them together and <clears throat> create this holiday universe. Like, I wasn't sure if he was going to try and carry it through comic book form or something like that, but it was supposed to be something about Sam and Krampus are definitely in the same universe, and mm. they were going to work on something to kind of try and bring the dark side of more holidays together in some way. I, I believe it was going to be like long comic book form or something, but they were all going to be tied in, together and get laps over one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard something similar to that as well. I mean, I'm still waiting for a trick-or-treat, too. You know, I'm still waiting oh, for yeah. that movie. <laughs> I don't know if it's ever going to get made, but I, I would give anything to see a follow-up in Trick or Treat. Yeah, it could so easily be made, man. It's like, you know, yeah. across, across time, you know, it's what, just one of those things where you can just pick up and just make another anthology movie and just keep telling more stories about Halloween. Because <laughs> there's plenty of, of lore behind Halloween. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that you could do another sequel. I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, the kid that was playing Sam, he's too old now, but you can have any kid play Sam. You don't need yeah. to have that actor. <laughs> you can have another child actor play Sam. All it is, just jammers and a, and a mask. Yeah, and especially because we're talking about a scene where we don't even see what Sam looks like, with the exception of the one scene where they're um, all, all trying on costumes and we happen to know that that's the actor. But, like, yeah, we don't, we don't need a specific kid. <laughs> No, no, it's fine. And, and most of it's done by the stuntman anyway, a lot of the scenes, especially with the, uh, the Brian Cox uh, follow-up. That's like, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously that was a stuntman. Brian Cox? <laughs> yeah, Brian Cox. There he is. Okay, <laughs> the bold, beautiful, Gorgie Keith. There he is. Welcome, sir. How are you been? God, I, 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 I'm okay. I mean, I walk in and you guys are talking about Dick. I mean, holy cow. That's what we talk about, though. That's what gets our jollies off. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 ho. Lick that candy cane, baby. Show me the jingle balls. Oh, yeah. keep your jingle balls to yourself, man. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Good. Oh, excuse me. I am sorry. <laughs> because, All right. Uh, well, that, 
yet. How have you been? Oh, you know, just another wonderful day in paradise, man. Now, unfortunately, sorry for my delay. We uh, we've had a uh, a loss of one of our uh, of our lizards and uh, oh, no. needed to to uh, you know we just kind of discovered it at the moment. Unfortunately, just before airtime, so. She lived a good life, so it's it's all good. Those not oh, sorry, cool. Thank you, thank you much. That's very good. But we're we're happy to have you here, despite the unfortunate loss of the wizard. But uh, we, as I said, this is your pick tonight. Uh, better watch out in 2017. We'll be talking about it later on in the show. We are also not joined by the demonic doctor uh, due to his work schedule. He cannot be a part of tonight's episode. Hopefully, he'll be a part of next week's episode when it becomes his pick. We'll see. You know, as, as uh, work schedules often are, they get crazy, uh, especially for oh. the doc. I he's busy he finger-fucking his butt. <laughs> I thought he was over in Eastern Europe celebrating Krampus night. You would think so. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's a Krampus guy. I mean, I, I know that he does celebrate Hanukkah, so maybe he's doing that too. You know, light the lights. Uh, I don't know how many candles are up to now. I think three or four. I don't know. I heard the doc made like a uh, a groundbreaking discovery. Um. (laughs) (laughs) All all I heard was the ghoul girl out of the other out of the other room go his dick. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an amazing find. I'm sure he posts that on the public Facebook page. It was like a voice out of nowhere, too. It was great. It was, like, perfect. Um, No, I was going to say, I I heard he he discovered how to do the self-reach around, but, you know, uh, his his dick is is even better. (laughs) Truly, truly the goal. Um, But, yeah, so, uh, you know, normally he is the the reporter for our show, and I've been able to carry on in his duties uh, as a horror news guy, but I wanted to find out if you guys had anything you wanted to talk about before I kick off some things of – Notes that we could talk about in this episode. Um, only thing I wanted to bring up is like not so much horror news. King is just because I would love to hear the ghouls take on this is because the the other night the king brought up an idea of what if they made another bad Santa movie, but this time had Samuel L. Jackson as Santa. Yeah, I love the idea. <laughs> I I think it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I guess it could work. You know, I don't know. I never saw, you know, I never saw Bad Santa too. Um, Neither have I. Yeah. I uh, I enjoyed the original. I found its black comedy to be, uh, you know, like a a very refreshing style and a take on that that age old character. Um, we might have seen similar characters in other movies, but always in bit parts. So to see like a full a full film based on that entire lifestyle taken from that perspective, it was just great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, obviously Samuel L. Jackson would be interesting in that if they were to do, I guess, either a, a third one or a remake or, or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, I, I said uh, Samuel L. Jackson would be great. But I also had the caveat that Nicholas Cage would have to play an elf named Kevin that's addicted to cocaine. That would be my caveat. <laughs> just sniffing the snow off them mountains. And just addicted to cocaine and throwing gifts at kids. I mean, I, I don't know if either. Oh, well, no, I guess uh, neither of you guys have Hulu. 
Um, there is a show called well, – it's funny you bring up the whole cocaine thing, which is the only reason why I'm mentioning this. There is a Hulu original show called Future Man starring uh, Josh Hutcherson and, you know, some, some other actors and actresses you've seen a billion times, but, you know, maybe you don't know their, their names or whatever. Um, it is fucking hysterical. Uh, it knows exactly what it is. It knows what it is taking off of, and it is, it is like a, a live-action South Parkian type of, uh, of show, and it is great. And I highly recommend it for anybody. If you've got Hulu, watch it. If you don't, it's just one of many reasons to, to hook yourself up with Hulu because it's really a lot of fun. Future Man. Interesting. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Um, but speaking of, of streaming services, uh, I wanted to talk first about Netflix because when the doc's not around, it usually we try to get in a little bit of comic book talk a little bit of shop since we like comic books and Netflix series. Uh, so it came out that after the season three of uh, Daredevil premiered, they're canceling it after its third season. They're not doing any more Daredevil seasons, but nor are they doing any more Luke Cage or Iron Fist. Uh, they're still going to be making another Jessica Jones, but as far as everything else is concerned, they are wrapped up. Uh, a lot of speculation is that they're going to the Disney streaming service soon, which is a rumor because it more likely won't happen. Um, but do you think this is a good decision by Netflix to cancel these series, which have garnered a lot of popularity? I mean, not so much Iron Fist. Uh, I heard a lot of negative reviews, and I didn't like it myself. Uh, but I wanted to get your guys' perspective. Uh, if you think that Netflix made the right decision to shut down production on these shows, that we're gaining a lot of popularity. Go ahead, Google. Um, I mean, Netflix never reveals um... – their stats as far as how many people are watching anything. Right. Um, that being said, I do think, you know, uh, my opinion of Luke Cage, you know, I only watched the first season. I watched, you know, I got about four or five episodes in, and then I took a long break. And the funny thing was, mm-hmm. is it was all the episodes following that that actually really made that show solid. Everything was like a buildup to that point. Um, and after watching that whole show, I realized that, you know what, the whole entire se- season was a really good show. Iron mm-hmm. Fist was god awful, um, yeah, and I, I think the fact that that did as bad as it did led to them getting poor viewership for the Defenders, which is kind mm-hmm. of what they were leading up to. You know, if you look at this from like an MCU perspective, that would be like all of the other films leading up to the Avengers, and then Captain America: The First Avenger being so bad that the Avengers films took a hit because of it. And a lot of people, I think, you know, avoided the Defenders because, you know, it was going to be a story focused around who else but fucking Iron Fist, who just had a terrible season in a show. And, you know, and the enemy is the hand, who we've seen multiple times already throughout the other shows. Um, They weren't bringing anything new to the table with it. Um, As entertaining as their shows might have been, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they had the viewership or popularity that Netflix was looking at. Now, I think you add in Disney's streaming service and the fact, you know, that, look, Disney knows that they're going to get kids. 
it's just a no-brainer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Parents, oh, yeah. grandparents, they're going to buy these kids the, this streaming service because it's Disney, because it's safe. You know, if Disney's smart, they're going to release, you know, an X amount of their, you know, in-the-vault movies. You know, maybe they change that up monthly, and you get a month in which you get to watch, you know, Aladdin or whatever else mm. it is that they don't have available in any other digital format. Um, but... Disney, the reason why they got Marvel and the reason why they got Star Wars is because it gives them avenues that they didn't have prior, boys and adults, adult boys to be specific, you know, because that's what (laughs) we are as fucking comic book and Star Wars nerds. Um, So they are definitely going to have something adult-oriented on the site. You know, they, it's not going to be the same Daredevil that we're seeing. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be that. Maybe they do something that's more tied to the greater Marvel universe. Um, it's sad because I did enjoy the, uh, the, the Daredevil series, and oh, I would have yeah. liked to see where they, they went with it. I haven't seen season three yet because I still have to finish Luke Cage season two and then Iron Fist season two. Um, Punisher, I don't know if they'll bring Punisher over in any way to that streaming service because it might be a little too violent. So, right. you know, whether or not they, they introduce them, whether they move them on to something else, they'll, they'll do something. But they're definitely going to do something with Star Wars live action, and they're definitely going to do something with Marvel stuff live action on the streaming site. And, and like I had said, as far as I know, uh, the next season of Jessica Jones is still slated to premiere, as well as the Punisher season two on Netflix. But after that, it's probably going to be a wrap. Uh, for both of them, yeah. so it's kind of playing out the last of what they have. And and Gooey brought up a good point because um, Netflix is a streaming service, so it's not like it's on TV uh, with The Walking Dead or any of those shows where you could track Nielsen ratings. You can't really do that with Netflix because you could binge it all in, in a weekend because they release all the episodes. It's not like you have to wait week to week and see how viewership mm. is doing. So it's one of those things. Yeah, where, but you know what? Yeah, that means Netflix yeah. has the ability, though to look at who's watching what. They know what yeah. their viewers are watching. If they didn't, then guess what? They wouldn't give you those suggestions that they give you. They wouldn't give you those comparison ratings that they give you, those little percentages. You know, yeah. That's basically telling you what they think is compatible to everything else that you viewed and more specifically whatever else you might have rated during the time you right. were watching it. Netflix is keeping this stuff close to vest themselves because they don't want to, they don't want the the public at large to know what people are watching and whatnot because they want to keep that shit, you know, in their own house. This way they can target yeah. their audience as need be. Sure. Oh, go ahead, monkey. What do you think? Yeah. No, well, I was gonna say for starters, then with numbers, I was looking up a couple articles here, and it's looking like um, Daredevil was actually like the fourth most popular show on Netflix. Um, it was That was number four. Narcos was number three. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is number two right now. And, of course, Stranger Things is number one. You know, th- those were the ones that have the biggest numbers. But also, it, I, from what I've been reading, it wasn't Netflix that decided to do this. It was all Marvel that had pulled everything off. Really? After these, yeah. After these seasons are done, Marvel's gonna pull everything. You know, they're gonna they're gonna pull Luke Cage. They're gonna pull Iron Fist, Daredevil. They're also gonna um, pull 
Punisher, See, that's weird because I'm getting conflicting stories on that. I'm getting everything. Yeah, everything I'm hearing is, is that this was Netflix's decision. Yeah. Marvel doesn't have a say because these are Netflix shows. Just because right. Marvel has the ownership, it doesn't mean that they own the shows because they're Netflix series. Mm. So that's interesting. But, you know, yeah, but Marvel, yeah, and it's looking like Marvel does have plans for Daredevil. Um but they're not sure what they want to do with it on the Disney Channel. Right. They're going to bring Ben Affleck back. Oh, God, no, please don't. Ben. Not John Favreau is foggy. But, you know, let Charlie Cox continue. Let Vincent D'Onofrio continue. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to see it. I, and I haven't seen all of season three yet myself. I just watched the first episode the other night. Uh, so I got, like, nine more to go. But it, it started off really good. Uh, I think Daredevil is the one that kind of brought everybody in. Like, forget about the Ben Affleck movie with Jennifer Garner. This is completely new, and it, it really kind of hit it out of the park. You know, it made me actually like the character of Daredevil, a hero that I never really liked in the comics or in that movie. You know, but I actually liked it now with Netflix. I thought they did something great. Yeah. Well, speaking and, of Marvel stuff also, though, I've been uh, another Hulu show <laughs> is, uh, you know, again, just to bring that one up. No, we right. don't get paid for saying these things. These are just things no, we that we, we use. Um, <laughs> that might do, but no. But uh, yes. But if I started watching us, Marvel's Runaways, which is actually turning out mm-hmm. to be fantastic. Uh, really, really enjoying that as well. It is a uh, you know, it's definitely a, a teen-based type of drama, in which some some kids who some have powers, some don't. You're kind of learning that as we go along. But essentially, they figure out that their parents are all kind of kind of villains. And uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's all the, the shit leading up to, like, who their parents really are. And uh, got a lot of teen angst and that kind of shit in there. But it's still a, a solid Marvel property. So definitely enjoying that. The Runaways. Okay. Well, not just the band, which I like the band, too. But no, <laughs> you know, the show <laughs> might be uh, worth checking out on Hulu. We don't get paid but we do like to mention it. Um, So I want to switch from Marvel to DC uh, because James Wan, who I had no idea is directing Aquaman with Jason Momoa. I had no idea that James Wan was directing the movie um, until recently. And I was like, oh, James Wan, of all people, is directing Aquaman? Okay, fine. Uh, But what he had said recently is that his dream project is to direct a Batman movie that is more of a horror film than an action hero set piece. And if you guys know the comic books, and I know that you do, there's a lot of content in there for Batman to kind of dabble in the horror universe. I would love to see James Wan helm a movie where you take a hard R approach, put it into a horrific kind of situation with Batman, and really take it off the rails. I think it could be fun, and I think a lot of people will kind of be into it. But I wanted to get what you guys think about that, because Batman is my favorite property of DC. (laughs) I think this could definitely work, man, because we're talking about we have so many side stories, so many multiverse things that go on in DC that where we've already seen this done lots of times in comic books, and it could easily, easily work as far as just grabbing one of those dark Batman stories like the cult or the killing joke or something like that and take it and turn it into a, a hard R horror movie. And, I, you know, I think it could definitely, definitely work. It's just gotta it's just gotta be its own little property though, and completely away from everything. And the big trick though is not to have it backed by a million fucking toys and 
play test and stuff like that because it's yeah. not a kid's property. And mm-hmm. DC has to remember if they're going to do something like this, they have to remember that they can't make shit for kids. Well, yeah, of course. Um, you know, what do you think, Ghoul, about taking Batman and taking some of his darker stories, which do have uh, overt horror elements to it, bloody, you know, kind of horrific set pieces? You know, I think that's not the worst of ideas. I mean, if I remember right, there was a Batman storyline. Um, it might have been, I don't know if it was a TPD or if it was like a limited series or what. But for some reason, I remember at some point or another, there was some storyline in which Batman became a vampire. Um, yep. Yep. And like that, I think, would be, would be a, a perfect type of, of thing to go with for that. Uh, I think maybe that might even be DC's best answer to Marvel is to say, mm-hmm. hey, rather than trying to build a shared universe and failing at it miserably, why don't we just go back to making stories about the characters yeah. that we have and making them imaginative and giving them to directors that, you know, you don't normally see doing this kind of stuff and not having to make it some big, big entire thing. Um you know, so yeah, I mean, you could obviously take the Dark Knight in that direction. But that being said, I mean, I'm sorry, but even if you were a kid and you were to watch that, whatever. I know when I was a kid, if you told me that they were making a fucking Batman vampire movie that's rated R, guess whose ass was going to figure out some fucking way to see it? You know, it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm. Not, yeah, I'm not saying you know don't do that. I'm just saying. When DC is out there, you know, and they're gearing up all their their marketing engine and trying to figure shit out, you know, if you're going to do this as a horror movie, just don't put a whole bunch of kids' product out there <laughs> to back the movie up. That's all I'm saying. Well, they're going to do That's that regardless, true. man. I mean, Batman yeah. is strewn throughout Multiple. everything these days, you know, and all of the DC things. So same for the Marvel. You know, you've got yeah. the Lego series, and they get catered to, they got toys that are for, you know, really small children up until the collectible adult type of stuff. So yeah. there's always going to be things like that, and you know, what kids are going to like, what kids are going to like. So yeah, you can you can make as, as few toys as you want to make them uber-duber collectible, but, you know, kids are still going to get their hands on the stuff, because it's just Kids do. You yeah. know, we roll. And, yeah, and, you know, the, the monkey brought up the courtship of owls. Uh, there was another series that I was telling about the other night that I read about a year or so ago, uh, released off the DC Metal line, which was uh, the Batman Takeover the Multiverse, which is where you have a series of Batman villains, including one that basically becomes the Joker and basically forces Superman to kill his wife and child. I was like, yeah, we can go dark. We can do it. It's possible. You know, they've done it in the comic books. I would love to see it presented in, in a cinematic way. Um, and that issue was called The Batman Who Laughs, which was one of the more grotesque uh, Batman stories that came out recently. So if you guys haven't checked out that issue, it's all part of the Batman multiverse takeover uh, series. Definitely worth checking out because you get to see all these different Batman villains that are basically just Batman taking over villainous uh, kind of counterparts. Interesting. Um, but also, like the Gula said, I'd love to see the Joker with the ripped-off face. Like, if you're going to make a horror movie, Batman style, do that storyline where the Joker carves off his own face and then wears it like a mask. Currently, <laughs> I, from what I've heard, is is that Joker is in Gotham, and it's played really? by uh, one of the uh, yeah, it's played by one of the actors who were who were in Shameless. 
Um, mm. And you're talking full on. He cut off the face and sewed it back on. So they, they yeah, did I, do I that it's just on the television series. I think, I think it's actually going I, into the final season. I think that's I think, yeah, it's either, yeah. It either wrapped up or it is going into its final season. It's one or the other. Yeah, that um, I don't know. I never got into that show. I always wanted to, and I kind of tried to check out a couple episodes. It just never hit home because I felt like nope. they were shoehorning in way too many Batman villains. Like they're like, oh, here's the Penguin, here's uh, the Riddler, and oh, by the way, we're going to introduce a Joker character. Watch out, maybe Harley Quinn's going to show up. I mean, it's she's doing too much. You know, this is supposed to be the formative years of Bruce Wayne. Well, supposedly all of that is going to be getting tied into the Arrowverse, as they call it, uh, really? which is okay. the uh, the CW series. So, yeah, from from what I've heard, one of the rumors is that that is is coming. So it's going to be a crossover. Yeah, there's something coming up on that series called Elseworld or something, and, okay. uh, and that is uh, supposed to to be doing that tie-in. Yeah, because his Gotham is on Fox, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess they could do a, a cross-channel promotion, you know, between CW they, and Fox. They did it with. Um, cause I'm pretty sure they all they're all owned by the same company. Um, they did it with Supergirl and CBS uh, when she went over, and now I'm pretty sure she's on the CW. Okay. And, he has her own. They yeah, might end up doing TV the same now. thing with it. Well, you know, I mean, I think that would be a great way to kind of, of, of meld the two um, crossover events, um, Gotham and uh, Arrow. I mean, I haven't seen either of those shows, really. I've seen a couple episodes. I'm not really a big fan. Same thing with The Flash. I've seen a couple episodes. Pretty good. I just I, I try to stay away from the DC TV series. You know, I've seen a couple, but, you know, it doesn't hold my attention. Yeah, but DC's I really enjoyed them. I enjoyed them for a long time, um, but then I decided that I was I couldn't watch them unless I was watching them in like the order that they were happening because things were starting to cross yes. over every now and again. And there was a website that I was using that had everything in order for me to watch it, and then that mm-hmm. website got closed down. And by the time I found another site that had everything, it was you know by that point I had kind of fallen out of it and was just going crazy with it and just couldn't do it anymore. So I took a long break and have not gone back yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, but yeah, the ghoul's right. The complexity of the CW DC universe is like so mishmashed and whatnot. It's like there are mm-hmm. websites that out there that have charts and timelines and shit like that. So you can figure out which episodes are supposed to tie into which episodes and what order you're supposed to watch them in just because it does get to the point where it's overlaps that much that you actually do have to watch them 100% together at the same time. <laughs> you know, that takes a lot of time. You know, something that yeah. I would have mm-hmm. more of. <laughs> but unfortunately, you with real-life situations, you don't always have the time. Um, but I wanted to get into a little more of horror-related news. Uh, this is something that we had talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. Leprechaun Returns, uh, which I think comes out next week on Video On Demand. Um, I don't know if there's going to be hard copies. I know it's digital as of right now. Uh, they did it without Warwick Davis, but it's a continuation of the first one. Warwick Davis actually talked about why he is not a part of the project. Um, it wasn't because he's too old. It wasn't because he felt like he couldn't do it anymore. It's kind of a sweet explanation. It's because he has a, a son 
that he's been raising. And he sees it as a way of, I don't want to do horror anymore, at least not until my son turns 18. You know, I want to raise my son. I want to do it right. You know, maybe Willow 2, I could do that, but I don't really want to do any horror-related movies, at least until my son is old enough and at least 18 years old. That's why he backed out of that project. It wasn't like they didn't ask him. They did. He just turned it down. So huh. I wanted to get what you guys think about Warwick Davis basically taking the stance of a father and saying, no, I don't want to be a horror guy. You know, I kind of want to wait until my son's a little older. Then maybe I'll go back. Now listen, more power to him for standing on his moral grounds. I don't know. A paycheck's a paycheck. And, yeah. you know, if they're going to pay you to, to do that work, then do that fucking work, man. You're not going to be acting forever, you know? No, but like you had said, go uh, to the moral ground. You know, it's him basically saying, I don't need a paycheck. Like it's it's not about the money for me. It's about just wanting to be a father, and, and I'm happy doing that. You know, so more power to the, the Leprechaun Returns, cast and crew, but I'm fine. You know, maybe in a couple of years I'll return. But, uh, Monkey, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm I'm with the ghoul 100% here. It's like it must, you know, get more power to you for being able to take that moral ground and be, to try and be a better dad and set an example through your acting career but it must be really nice to live in a world where you, you don't really need the money that bad. <laughs> well, I'm sure Willis Dennis had... has a lot of residuals coming to him. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I wish I had that kind of money. If that, I don't need to worry <laughs> <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> I'm sure. But I'm sure his, his film career, I mean, I'm sure he has enough residuals coming to him where it's not hurting for cash, you know, especially if he could turn down a project. You know, so it must be pretty nice to have those checks rolling in, you know, for yeah. all the movies that he's done. You know, whenever you watch a Warwick Davis movie, he gets paycheck. <laughs> you know, so. In- insert bad joke. Are they little checks? They are. They're <laughs> tiny, tiny checks. But he has to go to the tiny bank of cash. But, yeah. But green guts. Yes, green guts. You know, he just goes walking. And, yep, got my residual check from Willow. So here you go. Got money for the week. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I just appreciated the moral ground. Uh, that he took, and I thought that was kind of cool. It wasn't like I'm too old. It wasn't that I just I'm not interested. It was because I, I got a son, and I want to be a father. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but switching from Warwick Davis to put your hands together for the Lifetime Achievement Award-winning Tony Todd, who accepted yeah. the award this past weekend at New York City Horror Festival. Uh, excited to see it. I posted the video on the Talking Terror page, courtesy of J.K., who's a friend of the show, and Dread Central. Uh, he accepted that award, and I was excited to see him do it because Tony Todd is, is probably one of my favorite actors, um, you know, and Candyman being one of my favorite films that he ever did. But this is what it leads into, and this is what I wanted to talk about, is because they actually interviewed him on SciFi.com about the upcoming Candyman reboot that's going to be released on June 12, 2020. Um, he basically took the stance of they haven't really said anything to me yet, I got a lot of projects going on, so if they ask me to be a part of it, I'm in, but we'll see what happens, because even if I'm not a part of it, people are going to want to see the original. They're going to want to see what the original is all about, and more power to them if they take another person and put them into the Candyman role. He said there's a lot of neighborhoods that could take a lot of Candyman justice, especially now in this day and age, but (laughs) he did say something that I always thought was the key component of the original Candyman is that you have an African-American actor falling in love with a white woman 
and they were supposed to share a couple of moments of romantic endeavors, uh, from dancing to kissing in the movie. And the studio said, no fucking way, man. We can't do that. It's like fucking it's in the early 90s. We can't have, you know, a black guy kissing a white woman. You know, and even though it's a situation where it calls for it, it's not called for it. And that's, you know, I was with Tony on that. I felt like they could have done it. And it could have been a really kind of sweet moment. Because that movie, I never really thought about it. I wasn't like, oh, this is uh, an African-American actor kissing a white woman. That's fucking weird. Like, it just, it worked for the story. And I think that's why it's such a powerful love story to me, Candyman. So I wanted to get your guys' perspective on his thoughts about what they should probably be doing for the next Candyman movie, you know, breaking those boundaries, because it's already been broken. It's 2018. It's going to be released in 2020. We're beyond that now, I think, as a society. I agree. I, th- I, I totally agree. It's like, because, again, unfortunately, still to a lot of the world, this is still a very taboo thing. Even in this time. And it's like, I, I know that Gould disagrees because he grew up in New York where, you know, he saw mixed couples all the time. But there's lots of other places, like, especially down south, where it's still it's considered very, very taboo to see a mixed couple. You know, um, I had to deal with it as a kid because, <clears throat> you know, we, we were being called rainbow families and stuff like that because <laughs> um, my brother and sister... They, they were rainbow families African. or rainbow families. Rainbow. Okay, I thought Rain, you said rainbow. Rain. Rainbow families. No, what, so that's just no. That's what I thought he said too. No. Right? No. <laughs> Sorry. Rainbow. rainbow family. What the yeah. fuck is a rainbow family? Is <laughs> what we talk up on guns. So don't fuck with us. No, but it's just you know being in Richmond, Virginia, my brother and my sister were in, engaged African Americans. Um, you know so. We had, they had mixed kids. All my nephews and nieces were mixed. And, you know, there was all that weirdness going on of people that still didn't understand and, you know, still going around, you know, like just looking at it like, you know, that just ain't right. You know, that kind of shit. (laughs) But, yeah, we need to keep breaking down barriers like this. Break it down, Mm -hmm. get rid of it. It it shouldn't be there. Should. I, I completely agree. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ghoul, on uh, Tony Todd's thoughts about the upcoming Candyman reboot and why it's important to kind of break down boundaries? Oh, listen, man, I mean, I, you know, I, uh, even though I didn't find out until much later in my life, but, you know, like I come from an interracial relationship. Um, right. You know, my, my grandfather was African-American. My grandmother was, was white. Uh, you know, my father is, you know, is, is half black, uh, making, you know, me a quarter. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, I know it's, it's breaking down boundaries and things like that. And yes, in some, some areas it is still considered taboo. I mean, I just look at it as love is love and, and that's that, yes. you know? So exactly. I, I think when we get to a point where we don't have to look at it as something that's breaking boundaries, I think that's when, when things will be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I put it on the Facebook page. I've talked to you guys many times about how important Candyman is to me as a, a romantic film. But with the horror elements, it's because I never looked at the color. I never saw it as Helen is a white woman and, and Tony Todd as Candyman's black. I just thought of him as falling in love with this woman that reminded him of a woman that he fell in love with way back in the 1800s when he was killed because of that. 
because back, especially back then, it was just not considered, you know, something that you want to get involved with. So he died for love. Um, and that's also where I kind of put the parallels of Dracula with Tony Todd, where in a way, Tony Todd is kind of a modern day Dracula with uh, Candyman. He just wants to find love, you know, and even past the afterlife. You know, he's viewed as an evil person that kills people randomly. But at the same time, he has a goal. And when he sees it and he achieves it, that's all he wants at the end of the day, just to find the love that he lost. He wants that booty. That's the most powerful message is. I'm sorry, Monkey, what would you say? He wants that booty. He wants that booty. I'm sure he does. He does. <laughs> but in turn, he turns Helen into a legend herself. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is the most important thing is that that's the whole point of Candyman in the movie saying, you know, we're both meant to be legends. We're both meant to be whispered about in classrooms. We're going to be the reason why lovers cling together closer at night. Um, this, it impacted me in so many ways. And Tony Todd, I think if it wasn't Tony Todd in that film, I don't know if it would have impacted me as much. Because I think Tony is such an amazing actor with his deep baritone voice and the way he carries himself in that movie. Uh, it's just so impressive. Yeah, it's just the way he carries his voice and the, his enunciation when he speaks is just, you know, its own character in itself. Yeah, I agree. And it, it, yeah, it's always pleasant to see in a film. Yeah. It's, I mean, because he pops up in the most random movies. You're like, oh, Tony Todd, all right. I mean, even in Final Destination where he played Death. At least that's what I always took it as. He was playing Death. I, I loved seeing him in those movies when he popped up. I'm like, oh, that's here. Tony Todd, the coroner. Talking about I don't think he played. Yeah, I don't think he played death. I think he played more of like death speaker type of deal. Like you know, I don't think he was the personification of death in those series. Okay. Because I think death was an invisible entity. You know, and that's the thing. That was. Yeah. That's what made it so scary in those films because you didn't know what it was. That's the best series of Tom and Jerry events. <laughs> yeah, the Rube Goldberg events of uh, Final Destination. I always just kind of took him as death. I mean, that's a good point that maybe he is just kind of the voice of death. You know, he's the physical embodiment of what death is, and death is really just an invisible force. But it was because of him that I think it really kind of brought it all together. You know, seeing this coroner explain about death. Now, you don't want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. That fucking best line from Final Destination. You know, that's the time. Um, but yeah, so congratulations to Tony Todd. Well-deserved Lifetime Achievement Award, and I can't wait to see what else he has. I know he says, I got plenty of things going on, but even if he didn't, I really do hope that Jordan Peele considers him for Candyman. Because um, there's a lot of other actors I would love to see in that role, but Tony Todd, really, just like Robert England with Freddy. That, that's that character. Can't imagine anybody else playing it. No, well, I mean that's that's a difficult one. I mean, you know, I might not have a love for the Candyman series, um, but you know, obviously he has personified that character. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And I definitely don't want to say that I love the series because after part one, the the part two, uh, Farewell to the Flesh, and then part three, Day of the Dead, they just made me slash films. They just wanted to put Tony Todd in a slasher film and be Candyman. And the whole first one kind of lost its meaning. It just didn't have anything anymore to say. It was just, this is a guy with a hook on his hand. He's going to kill people if you say his name in a mirror. So, unfortunately, <laughs> those, those two movies were, were not very good. It's just that first one by Bernard Groves. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, if you say Candyman five times, I'll kill you. And that's what those two movies became. It's that first one that had the most impact, you know, and that first one by Bernard Rose in 1990 um, still sticks with me. Um, but I also want to talk about another actor that you guys may know of, uh, Zac Efron, who's been in a ton of movies, you know, from Neighbors to High School Musical to Bad Grandpa. Uh, we talked about it months ago on the show. He's going to be playing Ted Bundy in the Joe Berlinger film, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Wild and Evil. Um, it's playing at Sundance right now. Uh, he released oh, a it is. photo of him uh, in a courtroom as Ted Bundy. The resemblance, once again, is incredibly striking to oh, yeah. Ted Bundy. But he had said, I don't want this film to glorify Ted Bundy in any way. I want it to play it in a way where it shows you that he is an evil person doing evil things. Um, and that's my whole takeaway because people keep talking about how I resemble uh, Ted and that's fine, but I don't want it to be a glorification kind of thing. And I don't think it should be. I don't think that we should be glorifying serial killers in films. But it also is one of those things where they are incredibly interesting. You know, Ted Bundy is the, the serial killer that I follow the most, uh, from books to films to interviews on YouTube. It's just he's a fascinating character, even though he is just an evil asshole that killed a lot of uh, innocent women. But I wanted to get uh, your guys' uh, kind of opinion on that, about serial killer films in general. Do you think they kind of glorify these crimes, or do you think that it should be viewed as, you know, kind of a warning about what people are capable of that you never would have thought of them capable of? Go ahead, Gould. I mean, I obviously don't think that any film that is going to be considered a true or at least somewhat based on true events with a serial killer should be glorifying anything. Um, but I mean, we have plenty of horror movies that glorify mm-hmm. killers, you know? So yeah. I think, you know, the only reason why you don't do it out of the, the real life situation is more about respect towards the deceased than anything right. else. Um, but again, we live in a society in which violence is something that we enjoy. Yeah, I mean, especially in the social media day and age. Um, but I just think that uh, Zach Efron's kind of perfect casting, and I had said that months ago uh, that he has that look, but also I think he has the charisma to kind of carry that character of Ted Bundy. Um, I, I know so. it's going to be told from the perspective of the girlfriend he was dating at the time. Um, in the early 70s when he was committing these acts. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a great way to introduce Zac Efron into a new fold because he's been doing comedies for a while, and now he's going to be doing a serious kind of set piece. Um, so, Monkey, what do you think? Yeah, I'm hoping Zac Efron can do this because um, the only other movie I saw him in where he was doing serious acting was Orson Welles and Me. And he did yeah. a decent job in that. It wasn't it wasn't a comedy in any way, shape, or form, you know. So mm-hmm. I know he can do dramas, but and I'm just hoping that he's going to be able to pull off this character and just really. Hopefully, they've got a really solid script behind it, and they're going to be able to relay the story and tell Ted's story. And there there was a uh, a great movie from the 80s, late 80s, I want to say. I don't know if you guys remember it, called The Deliberate Stranger with Mark Harmon from Summer School and NCIS, where he played Ted Bundy. And it was a fantastic movie, but it felt like it, it left a lot out. 
it kind of made it seem a lot more of a, a glamorous thing about Ted, where it's like, you know, the prolific guy, and he's going around killing these women. When they left out a lot of details that I think needed to be brought in, because Ted Bundy wasn't just a serial killer, he was also a necrophiliac, which is something that not a lot of people knew about him. You know, that he wasn't just killing them and then just leaving their bodies. He was burying them, taking their heads, taking their bodies, dressing them up, and then fucking them. And it's one of those things where it's like, what? Ted Bundy did it? Yeah, he did. You know, it wasn't just this uh, good-looking guy killing women and just walking away. No, he had plans. You know, he had weird fucking designs. So I don't know if they're going to go into that with the Berlinger movie. I don't think it's necessary, but at the same time, you really need to show how fucking vile this guy was. Yeah, they they do. Um, and like the ghoul said, you know, out of res- respect for the dead, you know, we're not going to sit there and make this, like, turn him. Hopefully, you know, this movie won't turn him into rock star or anything like that. But just the whole story yeah. of, yeah, of the things that he did. Because that, that's hopefully... also, yeah, Monkey, that's the one thing I did want to kind of add on to your statement. Um, it's because there are serial killer fans that do kind yeah. of think of these people as rock stars, like Manson, like Gacy, like Gein, uh, Bundy. Dahmer, you know, they, they treat these killers like rock stars. And I don't think that's the way you should be viewing these people. Like they, they are vile people. They're monsters. You know, they're charismatic. You want to listen to what they're saying. But at the same time, these are people that have no kind of sense of moral compass. They will kill yeah. and they enjoy it. Yeah, because when we were in high school, we always had those goth friends that were, you know, always reading the serial killer books and, t- you know, talking about you know, how they found them so fascinating and, you know, what interesting people they were, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, but down at the core, they were straight up fucking evil. You do know that, right? Yeah. And, yeah, so, I mean, that's also one of, <clears throat> one of the things I wanted to close out on because I wanted to get the ghoul's perspective about that, of, of people kind of idolizing serial killers in a way where it's like rock star status, where it's like, have you heard about fucking Ed Gein? Hell yeah. Ted Bundy? Fuck yeah. I got a T-shirt with a face on. I don't think that's, you know, the way that you should be uh, idolizing somebody that committed heinous acts. Yeah, and oh, like, I, mean, I, I remember. Uh, oh, sorry, cool. No, go ahead. Sorry, man. sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say because I remember in the '90s um, when the trading cards uh, fad yeah, was all off the arms cards. and stuff like that. Yep, and you had this <laughs> the serial killer trading card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Google. No, I just think that, you know, just like anything, you know, everybody's going to always find something to idolize. So, I mean, you can't stop that from ever happening. It doesn't make it correct. It doesn't make it incorrect. You know, I mean, I think obviously any kind of research and whatnot on these people should always be done towards figuring out why they did the things they did as a means to either predicting somebody else possibly doing it preventing somebody from doing it or, you know, even finding some way to, to cure somebody that might have homicidal urges like that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the way it should be viewed. Um, and that's the way I've always viewed these killers because it was funny. There was actually a post that I put on the Talking Terror page, and you guys could check it out. Um, <clears throat> and it was a picture of eight serial killers mugshots. And it said, if you can name all these serial killers, you probably need counseling. I was like, oh, really? I can name them first and last name their nicknames when they were arrested, what they were convicted of, what their crimes were, and where they are now. I was like, so I guess I need counseling. I'll be fucking serious counseling. 
because I can name them all. I was like, but it's also because it fascinates me because I don't understand how people can do what they do and take another life. Because I never could. I, I never in my wildest fucking imaginations could ever think of taking another life. These people easily did. I just, I don't get it. And that's what kind of intrigues me about serial killers. Yeah, and I think that's what everyone finds intriguing about them. We just can't get, yeah. uh, you know, we just can't get pulled into their vicious little circles of weird shit that went down in their head and go down the same dark path they did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's my take on that. So, you know, while it is a good advisement that you better watch out for serial killers, you better watch out for the movie that we have to talk about tonight, which is the Google Geek Stick. You better watch out in 2017. So, Google, that was a segue. Uh, it that was. was good. Good one, but it was a segue. <laughs> Not the best, King. <laughs> it was, yeah, that was like a C plus. That was a C plus segue. I'll give myself that. Uh, better watch out, 2017. I mean, essentially, this is a Home Alone type of movie with break-ins and and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, as a young boy is trying to lose his virginity to his hot babysitter. Yeah. All right. And, uh, I mean, I picked it because yeah. it looked good when I saw the trailer for it years ago, and. Uh, I pretty much bought it as soon as it digitally released and watched it a year ago when it did, and I enjoyed it then, and I will let you know how I feel about it now. All right. So, Monkey, what did you think about Better Watch Out? Um, This is my first time watching this, Um, and yeah, I watched the trailer, and the trailer I saw made it look like a very, very hardcore-looking Home Alone, where it's actual home invasion. They do stuff to defend themselves against the home invasion. And that wasn't really what this movie was. Like, the the movie takes a turn and goes in a completely different direction. But I was happy with it. I liked the way the movie went. I liked where it went. Um... And I was surprised that the whole Home Alone thing ended as quickly as it did. And it takes this very sharp turn in a different direction of storytelling. But I, I had a lot of fun with this movie. It's like this movie almost, almost got a sticky tapioca. But except that there were a couple moments where it, it um, slowed down. In pace, and then there were a couple things I caught where I was like, ah, "If you're doing everything to do what you can, you should have caught this and this to cover your tracks up." Um, you know, other than that, it, it all, almost almost because yeah, I I really really enjoyed watching this fucking movie, man. It, I had a I had a blast watching this movie. <laughs> Very cool. Good. I always hope so. Um, so I will play the adversary, I guess, of the episode. Um, because the, the first time that I had heard about uh, Better Watch Out was because of the ghoul, um, because he had told me about it. He's like, I, I found this movie called Better Watch Out. It seems kind of cool, kind of like an adult version of uh, Home Alone. I'm like, I'll check it out. Um, it was a blind buy for me on Blu-ray uh, when I think a year ago, FYU was having a bunch of sales, and that was one of the movies that they had on sale. I'm like, all right, I'll pick it up, and I never watched it. I just had it on my shelf. It's like a lot of the movies that I own. 
you know, that are still in plastic. Like, I was like, I bought it, but still haven't watched it. Um, so Better Watch Out was one of them. Um, and I watched it, and it had a lot of uh, faults for me, and I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to kind of dig what was happening, but a lot of it seemed kind of obvious as far as what was going to happen, you know, in terms of, of twists. Um, so I was kind of like, ah, you know, it, it got my attention in some parts, but in other parts I was kind of looking at the clock going, all right, well, it's an hour and 28-minute movie, so not much more time left. Let's see what happens. Um, so that that was my initial reaction. Plus, um, it's actually, because I had said last week that it was the actress that was in Under the Dome, the TV series, and I was wrong. It's no, actually that, that's Britt Robertson. Yeah, that's Britt Robertson. It's actually Olivia DeJean, who plays Ashley, the babysitter, and Levi Miller, who plays Lucas, uh, her young ward. Uh, and they're actually together in The Visit, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. They play brother and sister in that movie. I don't know if you guys Oh, that's that. right. Mm-hmm. I knew she was. I knew he was. I forgot that she was. Yeah, so they, they played brother and sister in that one, so they're playing opposite in this one. Um, so it was, oh, but so it was also a... kind of cool to see Virginia Madsen. Um, oh, we yeah. talked about Candyman earlier, so now there's a connection. But also <laughs> Patrick Warburton. And I, I thought the parents were great for what they were, because, especially because Virginia Madsen's questioning his sexuality because he loves fucking Christmas. I was like, yeah, he's probably gay because he loves Christmas so much because I hate Christmas. Uh, I never liked it. Uh, <laughs> man, straight off the bat, like, I fucking loved Virginia Madsen and her little moment here in the movie. It's like her just being a bitch and talking shit to him. You know, like, the the whole, you know, you sure you never sucked a dick or anything like that? It's like, and <laughs> at the same time, she, she, she's, looking all, she's looking all hot in her little... Christmas dress, getting ready to go out to the party, you know, but at the same time talking shit, it's like, it was just this dirty, dirty feel that I was getting from her, and it's like, you know, again, if I was the dad, I would have been like, you know what, I'm gonna fuck that shit right out of your mouth, you know, you keep talking shit like that, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna show you how much I didn't, it's like, you keep being a nasty little bitch like this, I'm gonna fuck every little bit of that out of you, it's like, it was just turning me on like a motherfucker, the way she was just talking to him, (laughs) And, and, and the way she was looking. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, man, def, definite whole milk thing going on with Virginia Madsen. Good, good for you, girl, for looking so fucking hot in the beginning of the movie. Oh, I, I enjoyed yeah. her. <laughs> and to me, it was a lot of, of uh, a lot of setup with Ashley and Luke uh, when Ashley first comes to the house and meets uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lerner. Um, you know, and Virginia Madsen's character is talking about the pencil in the door. Because he sleepwalks, so I'm going to put the pencil here, and if it falls off the door, you know that he sleptwalks. So I'm like, all right, so they're setting up things already. Like, they're kind of like, oh, look at this. It's going to come up later. So I'm like, yep, that's where I put my notes. Um, but I wanted to get the, the ghoul's perspective of, of characters that you're pretty much not going to see again until the end. But I thought that Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen were perfect casting for the parents. Oh, yeah, they were great as that, that little give and take, you know, between the two of them. Uh, I enjoyed their their little sparring and whatever it is that they're feeling towards or for each other. You know, she's worried he's going to embarrass her. You know, the whole the whole gay things that were going on. I just found it funny, you know, because he's so busy worrying about this and you know wearing these terrible ties and you know she just she yeah. just doesn't have the spirit and you know he's just 
overdoing it, but you know, he he definitely wants a piece of that uh of that babysitter pie too, you know. So oh, yeah. you, you oh, definitely yeah. get yeah. that feeling. <laughs> Especially because he's walking around with that box of glass and ornaments that he's so fucking proud of. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, this guy loves Christmas way too much, but um, it, it's one of those things where it's like you have that setup of these parents, and I'm like, well, we're not going to see him again until the end. I'm, I'm hoping um, that's what happened. Um, but Ashley and Luke, you know, I, Luke from the onset didn't really bother me too much because I felt like his relationship with Garrett, his best friend, like they, they were definitely playing their characters the way that they should have been. You know, of, of two 12-year-olds talking about getting that ass, you know, from the babysitter. Like, and I, I enjoyed that back and forth that Garrett and Luke had at first. But as we go yeah. on with the movie, I definitely kind of lost interest. Um, well, but what did well, you guys Garrett, think about that kind of uh, back and forth with Luke and Garrett? Garrett's just like, smoke up, man. Smoke some weed with her. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I feel like the whole the whole... Um, dynamic of this plot is that Luke wants to fuck his babysitter and obviously there's a five year difference she's been babysitting Luke since he was eight you know it's, it's not going to happen you know you know it's not going to happen but it's one of those things where it's like if it did happen if they did end up getting fuck on like you know would there be a movie like if she just took that champagne from Luke and said let's get fucked up and watch horror movies and if we have sex we have sex like, I feel like the movie would have been over. It's been like a 30 minute short. Like, I feel like it all rested on the fact that she was standing by her laurels. I was saying, Luke, you're 12. I'm not fucking you. And that's what we get. So, I wanted to get your guys' uh, opinion about that. Go. <laughs> well, all right. I mean, see, I guess here is where this dynamic kind of comes into play, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being that I had the younger sisters that I had. You know, I got to be privy to having, you know, not babysitters for me, but babysitters in the house for them. Um, (laughs) And, you know, wanting to bang babysitters was was quite the norm. And, you know, I don't know. When you're that age, you just never know if it's going to happen or not. You know, and specifically, I had a neighbor... Um, who had two older sisters who, I guess if I was 11 or 12, the one might have been like 16, 15 or 16, and the other mm. one was like 17 or 18. And they were both very flirtatious, and they knew it. Right. And, you know, the one would stick, you know, me and my friend's heads, shirts, uh, our heads under her shirt and that kind of thing, oh. you know, or like when, like right in front of her boyfriend, you know, she'd like stick our heads in her crotch and be like, oh, you're eating me out. Oh, you're eating me out. You know, like that kind of stuff, you know. And it's a bunch of dorky fucking teens and all we wanted to do was get our dicks wet. It was like the hottest thing at the time. Um <laughs> You know, so so the idea that it's like out of the question, no. I mean, in real life, we see that these kind of things happen <laughs> all the time. You know, and uh, I I love Battletoads because you know ultimately oh my my, God, my yeah. first lay, my first lay was with a babysitter. So you know, I had a, a very entertaining moment with one as well. Uh, not that much older than me, but no. still. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, that's a good point that you bring up, too, because there's not that much of an age difference between Ashley and Luke either. I mean, five years, not that much. 
You know, I mean, yeah, he's 12, going to be 13 in a few weeks. But, yeah, you know, at, at 12, I made out with a few girls by then. Like, I, I, I've touched boobs. You know, I've been to third base. So it's not like at 12, you're like, oh, I just want to watch cartoons and eat cereal. It's like, no, at 12, you want to get your fucking dick sucked. So, who's a parent now and has seen, you know, various versions of my kids' friends, um, <laughs> I, I don't, they're not all like that. You know, like, I would love to think that we were all similar in that regard but no I, I unfortunately in this day and age i've just met this entire group who seems to be completely like asexual man it really makes me fucking worry sometimes about the future of our, our society <laughs> but I, was, I was the exact same way it's like at that time anytime i go off to summer camp i always ended up getting the crushes on the camp counselors that were you know five years older than me uh, I always had the girls that I were hitting on, you know, that were way older than me because I, I, you know, the the twelve and thirteen year old girls that were around, yes, they were fine. But then when you could actually get the real deal, if you had the option, yeah, you were going for that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm mm-hmm. you weren't going to get it, but you were definitely going to go for it as best you could. You know, thinking you've got moves, <laughs> but you really fucking don't. You don't even got a fucking car. You know. <laughs> yeah. But still, um, so, it's not yeah. going to stop you from trying. <laughs> so, Luke, like I said, I was The reality is you probably didn't have much of a dick either, you know, as much as you <laughs> yeah, might have thought nope. we did. <laughs> no, I know. It wasn't, you know, Mexican steel dick. Like, it was just my little fucking penis. Like, you know, I want it, you know, but it's fine. But, yeah. So, I was with Luke on that whole thing. I was like, I just want to bang a babysitter. And plus, she's leaving soon. So, now's my chance. And. You know, your boyfriend, Ricky, doesn't pay attention to you, and I do. And, like, in a lot of ways, I felt like she was kind of leading him on in a way, at the same time backing away at that moment where he thought he can get lucky. Like, she was like, oh, you're so sweet, and you're drinking champagne. You shouldn't be, but fuck it. Why not? The bottle's open, so let's just fucking drink it. Like, watch weird fucking dude bro horror movies with a guy in a fucking cut-off flannel shirt and a weird paper mascot. I don't know what the fuck movie they were watching. I was like, nope, I don't think I'd want to watch that movie. No, but he can hold his liquor, unlike Garrett. <laughs> unlike Garrett, who just fucking Ralphs all over the place. He can't well, Garrett also liquor. had some fucking some oxys in him, and fucking <laughs> God knows what, what, how much weed He's he might have smoked from his brother's fucking pot. Yeah, I know. He's got all these fucking problems. Um, but it was the one thing I wanted to bring up to you guys, is that we do have the setup of the pizza delivery man coming over, and dropping off the pizza, but they never call. You know, they never called in the pizza delivery order, but it shows up. And it's got mushrooms yeah. on it, and Luke made a point of saying, I don't like mushrooms, so he's picking off the, the pieces of mushroom. To me, first time viewing it, it's not like I knew what was happening. To me, there was something obvious about Luke's actions during the strangeness that occurs in the next couple of scenes with the home invasion. Uh, somebody calling, somebody showing up. It seemed like there was a deliberate kind of way he was acting where it didn't seem like he was scared. It seemed like there's probably going to come a twist, but I don't know when it's going to come in. And I didn't know what you guys thought about that because to me, Luke just seemed like he was just going along with it. It seemed way too calm, way too casual. No, it's just... King, when you and I talked about this last night again, I think you're just jaded, man. Because <laughs> while this is all going on, I I think Luke 
was doing a really good job of acting panicked, like, you know, coming across as panicked, didn't know what to do in the situation. Weird things were going on outside. It was someone, like, you know, I'm going to sit there and talk about it, like, you know, that we don't know what's going to happen, you know, but someone's fucking with the house. Someone's doing weird shit, you know, and, yeah, you know, Luke doesn't know what to do, and it's up to the babysitter to come up with a plan, you know, and take action because she's the one that's in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, she could be in charge of me any day. Oh, um, yeah. Actually, she's one of those weird actresses in which, like, I've seen pictures where I'm like, wow, she's not all that attractive. And then there's other ones where I'm like, okay, she's really cute. I think it's all about <laughs> yeah. her makeup. She's got, like, the kind yeah. of facial features that the wrong kind of makeup make her look sharp. And she looks mm-hmm. better with the soft features. Um, but that's, you know, that's just my inner, like, did I ever suck a dick moment. Um, <laughs> not even once while exploring in college. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had watched the trailer for this, and when I had seen that, I had, I guess, created my own expectations. Excuse me for what I thought this movie was going to be. So when watching it, you know, I'm kind of like with the monkey there where I didn't think it was obvious, but it was one of those where when the turn occurred, I kind of felt like I should have seen it coming um, because it just made more sense. And even watching it this time, you know, being that it's my second time seeing it, knowing what's right. going to happen, I saw all of those little clues that were there to kind of let you know, like, this was this was doing what it was going to do. And I don't think, you know, I think the director's, and the story writers here, I think they wanted it to be a surprise, but at the same time, too, I think they knew that this was like the kind of movie that's going to kind of be tongue-in-cheek, and you're yeah. going to enjoy it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And not, I mean, Monkey, I know you said I'm kind of jaded, and I kind of think I am when it comes to these movies with twists, where I'm like, oh, I've seen so many movies like this where the twist <laughs> happens. So first time watching it, you know, with the toy in the closet to how casual he is in the attic where she's like, just stay here. Just stay in the, just stay in the attic. We can't move because he's going to hear us. He's like, I got to get the gun. Fucking runs away. I'm like, yeah, uh, no, like I'm waiting for a twist to happen. What's going on? And I'm like, all right, well, we're going to get it. Um, because you had the setup of her looking at the picture of Luke wearing a ski mask. And when you see the intruder come into the bedroom, carrying the shotgun, she's like, wait a second, Luke, that's your ski mask. And all of a sudden, the guy starts itching himself. And she's like, Garrett, yeah, you with the fucking anti-itch lotion earlier in the movie. What the fuck's going on? So I'm like, yeah, there it is. There it is, folks. There's your twist. <laughs> I just, I was kind of annoyed at myself that I saw it coming. Um, I wish they had played with it a little bit longer. But yeah, um, it's obvious now that it is Luke and Garrett um, fucking with her and causing this whole kind of chain of events to happen. So when you saw the guy in the bedroom, did you think that it was Garrett, or did you think this was actually a legitimate intruder? I never thought it was Garrett, just because you never really get to see any good shots of the the intruder until she calls him out on it. But during that whole sequence, though, I thought they did a decent job of capturing her fear, keeping the tension up, you know, and... 
you know, doing a really great job of showing how scared she was during this entire sequence. And I, I thought that this entire sequence, which unfortunately I, I also thought was way too short, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. Yeah, it's like, you know, I was hoping they would have dragged it out more, maybe have had another person involved as well so that there's more than one person in the house, you know, because that's how the trailer made this look, you know. Mm -hmm. But but during that whole scene, I thought they did a great job with the tension and the fear. Mm What did you think, Cole, about the the big reveal that it was actually Luke and Gary kind of masterminding this whole event? I think that was, by the time that came up, I kind of started figuring it out myself, um, mostly because of how Luke was acting at that yeah. point. The yeah. whole, like, he's going to be brave, he's going to get the guy. And it just started making me think of the conversations earlier. Fear is going to yeah. make her want you, and this and that. Yep. Um, again, everything leading up to that. When I saw Garrett get shot in the backyard, I thought Garrett was dead. Um, yeah. Again, watching the yeah. trailer, yeah, I had assumed that this was going to be a home invasion movie, but things were going to turn around, and Luke was going to end up being a twisted little fuck. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, in the trailer, you yeah. see him hit somebody with a bat, and, you know, he's yep. doing his whole little giggling thing and all this and that. Um, so the fact that the home invasion was actually set up by Luke, that I didn't see coming up until that very moment. Yeah. I do like, I again, I do like the little about. play there. I mean, you guys caught the Halloween yeah. reference, obviously, with the closet and the slats mm-hmm. and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of good references there. And that's what I uh, I talked about with the monkey last night, where it's like you have a 12-year-old who's masterminding this whole fucking thing. It's like, God damn. At 12 years old, I wasn't that creative. <laughs> you had to, you know, make all these plans where I have all these, you know, these contingency plans. If anything backfires, I'm in control. Um, when he hits her with a bat and she falls down the stairs, um, I like the fact that when Ashley is talking about how this is fucked up and how dare you fucking tie me to a chair, and he's like, well, <laughs> Garrett says it's like the political strife in Africa. And he's like, by the way, I got a paper due on Monday. Like, and I was like, all right, I'm into it a little bit. Because, <laughs> you know, it's two 12-year-olds, you know. They're still 12 at the end of the day. Like, you have to remind yourself that they're fucking still 12. But to me, mm-hmm. they seem like a very, very shitty version of Billy and Stu from Scream. I was like, actually just like, about to say, this, scene, yeah. this whole movie was like somebody watched Scream and Home Alone <laughs> within, like, yeah. a one-week period and was like, hey, I've got a great idea for a movie. <laughs> yeah. That was my reaction to Luke and Garrett as they carry on the film, is that they're really just kind of like the pre-adolescent characters of Billy and Stu, just not doing it in a great way like uh, Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard did in Scream. So did you well, think the, the same the thing, Matthew? The difference, Matthew, though, with Scream is that thing? you didn't get a whole entire movie knowing it's Billy and, St- uh, Billy and Stu. Yes. You know what I mean? I yeah. think if you were to change things up with Scream and make it known from the very start who the killers were, you're going to have a very different and not so good movie. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, Monkey, what do you think about that uh, yeah. correlation? Because I think it works. And, yeah, it worked. And I, and I like the weird chemistry that we start to get, the, you know, the new chemistry of 
Luke and Garrett where, yeah, they're still friends, they're talking, and, you know, and they're bullshitting the whole time while pointing the gun at Ash, you know, talking, you know, a little bit of shit, this, this and that, while still on the same side, still talking about schools, and, you know, all money you left to 12-year-olds. And, yeah, I'm, en- I'm enjoying this banter that's going on, I, you know, which, you know, leads to truth or dare. <laughs> yeah, like, mm-hmm. like, like, touching your breast. Just poor fucking guy. Touch your titty. Fucking get a turn. Was it going to be my turn? I'm like, this is fucking Billy and Stu. <laughs> you know, it's like I kept making that reference while I was watching these sequences of Troopers there. Where where Luke gets to touch her breast and he's like, how's that feel? She's like, feels like a fucking twelve year old touching my tit, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, not enjoying it at all. Um, but yeah, it was that back and forth that I kind of did enjoy at first between Garrett and Luke, uh, where they have the trope of them walking out of the room to fucking argue while she's sitting there. I'm like, yep, that's scream. Let's go into the other room and argue for like five minutes so she can get away. <laughs> you know, it was playing right into it. And I enjoyed it. Um, but you also get the introduction of Ricky coming to the door, her, her current boyfriend, you know, bringing flowers because he just wants to surprise her. And Luke, I thought he was playing a 12-year-old. Like, I thought it was worth the way that he was trying to get Ricky to go away. Like, oh, no, 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 she doesn't want to see you right now. Doesn't want to see you. Um, no, yeah, dude, like, no, just go away. Flowers, whatever, fuck you. Um, and then with Ashley taking over the chair and just kind of crashing into the ground. I liked it. I thought it was kind of a, a cool way because it's like two 12-year-olds kind of trying to be in control but losing control because you have mm-hmm. a teenager who's coming to see his girlfriend just wants to fucking see her. Yeah, and the kid who played Luke, I want to say I, he did a great job of capturing the whole 12-year-old thing just with how often his voice kept breaking. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. That that you know, I, I thought that was fucking screech. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I thought. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I like the the scene. And that's what I wanted to ask you guys about is because the scene where uh, Ricky's going upstairs and you have Luke going after him with the the baseball bat, and that doesn't work. It doesn't knock him out the right way. So they have to use the pencil, and it was fucking fake. So it's like, oh fuck. <laughs> What's the contingency plan for a pencil to the fucking face? I was like, this poor fucking guy just wanted to bring flowers to his girlfriend. Maybe get fucked. Nope. Now he's got to fucking deal with these fucking two maniacs, you know, in the house. Um, so what did you guys think about that? And Luke's kind of retaliation against Ricky. <laughs> go ahead, go. I think that Ricky was, you know, was a much needed breath of fresh air at this point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We obviously have the the dynamic going between the three main characters here. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can't have the entire movie just be that. Uh, So bringing in, you know, another victim and another, you know, another person that that Luke Mm -hmm. is going to be playing in a way, um, as we do later find out, it, uh, it it does add that in there. And I think, you know, ultimately, regardless of Luke's age, you know, I think Luke falls into the category that a lot of guys have found them in over the years and found themselves in over the years. And that's being in the friend zone, you know, how many yeah. times has you know, her ward has he had to hear her complain about her boyfriends, whether it was Ricky mm-hmm. or whether it was Jeremy, Jeremy. or, you yeah. know, Whatever, whoever it was, you know. So obviously, Luke wants to see himself as this this knight in shining armor, while still also 
acknowledging and enjoying his homicidal urges of a mm-hmm. serial killer because that's kind of what Luke is in yeah. a lot of ways. Absolutely. Because yeah. during this entire sequence, I enjoyed the entire thing with the bat just because dancing around, smacking Ricky with the baseball bat, I, I was like just flashing back to American Psycho when this whole thing was going on. Yeah, and good yeah, reference. I, I, I was having a great time watching this part because yeah, if, I, if I was going to go a little bit, you know, cycle on something with a baseball bat, yeah, I'd be having a good time with it, too. <laughs> it was You have to. Um, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Ghoul. No, that's all I was saying is that you have to. You have to have a good time with it. You do. Um, <laughs> I do like the fact that when Ashley and Ricky are tied up, you know, uh, Ricky tells Luke, I have to go to the bathroom and just starts fucking pissing his pants. And he's like, fuck, god damn it, why are you fucking pissing? Like, I have to clean this up now. With the fucking, you know, the, the dishwashing gloves on, trying desperately to fucking clean up the urine. He's like, he, he's trying to clean it up as fast as he can, because at the same time, he knows his parents are going to be home eventually. So he's got to kind of wrap up this thing real quick, because he wants to make it look good, and he wants to make it look convincing. So the fact that he had to clean up fucking Ricky's piss before home aloneing him, in a way. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you bring up the whole thing about the parents going to be home sometime, and the cleaning. First of all, I, I love this thing about how on his phone he is tracking his parents from their yep. phone, so he knows exactly mm-hmm. how far away they are, uh, how far away they are. And then yep. also the whole thing about the cleaning is we start to see that Luke is a neat freak and has to keep shit tidy all the time, and that goes into other things later. But yeah, like he has to keep things spotless. He, you know, has to have things He's OCD. 100%. That's what he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. OCD is definitely what it is. Um, but yeah, when I when I talked about it being into the Home Alone territory, this is the one sequence I did kind of really enjoy, with them putting Ricky <laughs> into the center of the house and doing the the Kevin McAllister fucking. I'm gonna bring out paint cans and I'm gonna see what happens, Mythbusters style. And Garrett's like, you're fucking home alone again? Like, yeah, I, I like this. So I was like, let's see what happens. My only problem with it is that you didn't really get to see it as much as I wanted to. It didn't show it, man. I was so, so disappointed. And, you know, it was funny, too, because, again, you know, the first time I saw this, like, for some reason in my memory, I thought I remembered them showing more of it. And watching it, I'm like waiting to see, waiting for like the shot to see it. And I was like, wait a minute, they didn't fucking show it. Like I even checked to see if there were there any like special features or something where they showed it. But no, they never did. And you know what I mean? I guess ultimately it's one of those where better left to your imagination. But I don't know, a good practical right there. Even if it was a fucking watermelon or something Gallagher style, you know, would have been kind of cool. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I just wanted more. I mean, I think uh, the monkey agreed, too. As I say, you know, it was a good effect. Like, they showed it, and then it was just the after effect of the paint and the blood mixing together. But, yeah, I kind of wanted to see more of that paint crash. Yeah, I, I felt ripped off. It's like we could have had a nice practical effect there, you know, of some kind. But being that we didn't have it, I love the dark comedy that when – Ashley finally cuts herself free and she's trying to, you know, run over to save Ricky. Um, you had this 
perfect paint smutter on both sides of the chair in this beautiful empty spot where the head is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I just it was good if it wasn't as much as they wanted. Like, I felt like that would be their set piece for the movie. Like, this would be what sells. The fact that you have this head exploding with a paint can. Like, it would have been great, but they, they kind of went the, the dollar store route of this. We're not going to really show it. It's implied. So you know what happened yeah. to Ricky. I think it's that. I think it's also one of those where they wanted to, I don't want to say play it safe, but that they, mm-hmm. I think in a way they kind of were feeling like maybe this could play to a wider audience if you didn't go that level with it. Um, again, like I said, I, you know, there's a part of me that really wants to fucking see it, you know, only because, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's like, hey, you know, would his head fucking explode or not? You know, like I want to know. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know. They had this argument stuff, at know? the beginning of the movie, they had this whole argument about it, you know, setting up this yeah. very scene, you know. So, like, even in the trailer, you see something like that happen. And, like, even at that point, I was, uh, you know, thinking to myself, oh, cool, this is going to be, you know, a home invasion film. And, you know, he's going to home alone fucking somebody that's invading his house. And I was yeah. waiting to see it, waiting to see it. And, no, that, that probably is the only thing that I found a little bit disappointing is that they just never gave it that, gave it all the way to yeah. us. It, it definitely was um, really just kind of disappointing. I was glad that they did it, but they could have shown a lot more. Um, it also leads to Ashley realizing as she escapes that the gun is empty. So to me, that was like a devil's rejects moment where baby firefly tells people in the hotel room, like, if you point a gun mm-hmm. at somebody, they'll believe that it's loaded. Like, so that was my takeaway. Like, yeah, if I point a gun at you, you're going to think it's loaded, even though it's fucking empty. You know, and how... Well, I mean, it happens all the time in robberies, you know? Mm-hmm. Just because you have a gun doesn't mean it's loaded. It's just it's a gun, so you automatically think that it's a weapon that's going to be used. So I did like that. Um, I like the fact that Garrett and Ashley are fighting inside while the cow uh, the cowlers uh, sing. With uh, mm-hmm. Luke making another fucking costume change in this fucking movie, he had like several. <laughs> where he's constantly changing his clothes, and now he has the ho 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 sweater on, and he's watching the cowlers sing and fucking in the background. You have Garrett and Ashley fighting each other. And he's like, very nice, guys, very nice. Here's a doll, here's a doll for you. Like, I'm like, yeah, I kind of liked it because you have the back and forth. Like, you have shit happening in the background, but you can't hear it because of the cowards. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. And I love that he's taking his time, he's changed. Because, again, he's got this OCD thing. He's always got to be clean, you know, is how I took it. And, you know, meanwhile, he's pretty again, so... He's passing out cocoa to the killers and talking about they've got a new lineup of singers this year and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. and, it, yeah. and it really brings the harmony together. You've got to figure he's gotten the OCD from his, you know, partly from his dad, partly from his oh, mom. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love the, the introduction of Jeremy, the other boyfriend, who really is just like a, a Zac Efron clone to me. Like with the backwards YouTube money hat on, I'm like yeah. yeah wait, you didn't, re- you didn't recognize him, huh? No, I didn't. Who was he? He is the redheaded girl's douchebag brother, Steve, in the second season of Stranger Things. No way, really? That is Steve. Yes. 
That's Steve from Stranger. Wow. I did not get that. Wow. He did a great job of chameleoning himself. I did not get that reference at all. Wow. Now I've got to go back and watch it just for those sequences with Jeremy. Like, Holy shit, that's fucking Steve. But I like Jeremy, though, in the movie. Because even though he's kind of a douchebag, it's at the same time he's introduced to Luke, who says, if you want to see her, you got to write an apology note, make it good. And he's like, all right, whatever. I'm sorry. He's like, that's not going to work. Got to make it look a little bit better than that. Fine. What the fuck? Whatever. Uh, uh, okay. I'll write this thing out. And he's fucking sitting there on this fucking tree swing, writing out this apology <laughs> note. And I'm like, I know what's going to happen, but I was like, I kind of want to see it happen. And it's uh, essentially a suicide note, which I like Luke thought that way ahead of time to make it look like a suicide. Like he was thinking that far ahead. Um, but it also led to a problem of what the monkey and I talked about last night of covering tracks. They didn't show who cover any of the tracks outside from the yeah. lawnmower to his footprints. So I'm like, well, he's meticulous to a point, but I would think there's some problems there. Yeah, that, that, for all that he does of his contingency plans with contingency plans, you know, uh, backup plan after backup plan, and here is like I think they just slipped a little bit because for all that he's doing, you right. think he would have covered up the tractor tracks in the snow, especially, you know, going all through the yard, back up into the shed, you know. But it's also a thing but, I want to pose to the ghoul, is that, do you think that was necessary? Or do you think that's, like, uh, part of, like, film magic, where it's like, don't think about it. Don't think about the tracks, you know, in the snow. Just go with it. No, I think that everything that was done in this movie was kind of you know, crafted in a weird sort of way in which, you know, things that we look at and we say, oh, yeah, these would be like obvious little things. But at the same time, no officer, you know, especially with the note like that being left and, Mm -hmm. you know, everything else, they're not really going to be sitting there suspecting a 12-year-old who was asleep on his medication in a room proving that he couldn't have gotten out. Um, Right. You know, so, so yes, were there plenty of things that were, you know, we could sit there and say, hey, they they shouldn't have missed that. Of course we could. But we also right. see these things happen in true crimes all the time where they miss, mm-hmm. you know, certain pieces of evidence or they're so busy suspe- suspecting somebody else that they don't bother right. looking into to who could have possibly done it. Plus, the one other and last and most important thing is he is 12. So just because mm-hmm. he yeah. seems like he thought of everything doesn't mean that he thought of everything. You know, and yeah, I, I kind of put it as movie magic, where it's like, listen, he's meticulous to a point where it's like us as adults were thinking about that, about the tracks of covering them up. At the same time, he's 12. At the same time, movie magic. So <laughs> don't focus on it too much because there, there's more to play here than that. Um, Garrett being kind of convinced by Ashley to let him go, to let her go, rather. I thought that was nice. You know, the Garrett's kind of reaches end point with Luke, where it's like, yeah, the fucking kid's a psycho. Like, he's not my best friend. This kid's fucking off his rocker. You know, I'll get you out of here. I'll, I'll save you. And it leads to Luke shooting him with a shotgun. Um, and like <laughs> I talked about with the monkey last night, it was a weirdly, weirdly kind of sweet emotional sequence that happens 
because you have Garrett getting shot with a shotgun. He's sitting in the hallway, and he says, I want my mom as he gets shot. So to me, it was kind of like a super dark times moment. Like we had talked about months ago, super dark times. Where it's like, yeah, you take the comedy out, and now you have a 12-year-old who just got shot with a shotgun. And all he wants is his mom. And Luke's like, yeah, that moment's over. Bam, you're dead. Like, you know, it just, to me, it was kind of impactful for this movie that was kind of over the top in a lot of ways. But I wanted to get you guys' yeah, no. perspective on when he dies. It was the unplanned death, I think, you know. I don't think yeah. Luke had any intentions of killing Garrett, you know. That was supposed nope. to be his partner in crime, you know. And I think the whole reaction we get from Luke when he gets all upset, I think that's completely genuine, you know. And that's the only genuine emotion that we see what? him feeling as far as any kind of remorse or sadness to this. But he only allows mm-hmm. it for, you know, a couple of minutes. Yeah. I'm Not even a couple of seconds. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think this big, you know, this moment that that scene is again to remind you they're just twelve year olds, they're just kids, you know, yeah. they're not even teenagers yet, you know, they're just still little kids, you know, and shit's going down, and yeah, you know, he wants his mommy, you know, because he's fucked up, you know, and you know, and as soon as he says I want my mommy, you know, pow, you know, just straight to the fucking head with the shotgun, and but we have this weird mixed-up moment where it's like, you know, he, Luke is, like, torn up inside for just a quick second because he, like the ghoul said, this unplanned death. He had to shoot his best friend. But at the same time, he's also got all this inner rage going on just because Garrett touched Ashley. And he said, no one touches Ashley but me. You know, so we've yeah. got this thing of losing your best friend all tied up with this, you know, he even touched his toy. That's a, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, touch his toy. Um, but it also leads me to question whether or not Luke really considered Garrett his best friend because he did kill what was this, his guinea pig? I think he killed. And then he kind of lied about it. Yes. And that's what Ashley yes. says is like, you know, Luke killed your guinea pig. <laughs> that, you know, it wasn't, you know, he died. Luke did that. So part of the serious killer scale of killing animals. And I thought that was one of those things where it's like, yeah, Luke doesn't consider Garrett his best friend. Garrett considers Luke his best friend. I don't know if you guys thought the same thing. Uh, Go ahead, (laughs) Gold. I I was just going to say, you know, my only thing with feeling that he did consider him that is – the reaction. Again, him getting emotional for that that couple of seconds that he did – I felt felt that was him having like you know an emotional reaction, which meant that he did care for for Garrett, um, you know. But he still wants what he wants, and you know he's still gonna do what he's gonna do. Because I just yeah. thought that like Garrett was like an alibi in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> so he's gonna be useful for an alibi, but he's not a best friend. You know, he's, he's a friend, sure, but at the same time, he's a good alibi. You know, if I need one. You know, if I need to create an alibi, he'll do it. I don't, I don't know, though, man, because we also have the moments where earlier in the movie where Garrett's upset that they're not going to be able to get away with it. Um, and Luke is, you know, reassuring him, going, dude, well, remember this mm-hmm. time when I got you out of that and that time yeah. when I got you out of that? I'm the king of getting out of this shit. You know, it's like, you know, it strikes me, though, that, yeah, Garrett was his best friend, but it also strikes me that Garrett was his only friend. 
Mm-hmm. Which, which could have been very true. Uh, <clears throat> but we had talked about Garrett and Luke, but you also have, again, you have this weirdly kind of emotional sequence with Ashley with the tear rolling down her cheek and kind of realizing that Luke's entire plan is that she's not going to get out of this alive. Like there was no plan of her surviving this night. And she kind of accepts that fate. Um, And I like that particular sequence of Luke kind of putting his head on her shoulder and talking about how his mother always cared for him and always carried him uh, as a child. But then at one point she stopped. And she goes, I know exactly why. And then just closes her eyes and doesn't tell him. So he's freaking out going, tell me. Tell me the reason. Open your eyes. And she's refusing to do it because she's accepting the fact she's going to die. That he's going to do what he has to do. So to me, that was kind of powerful. The fact that Ashley is kind of accepting it. Like, I'm not surviving. Like, I'm going to die. He's going to do it. So I owe him no explanation. I'll let him fucking suffer with, I know why you don't. I'm going to take that to my grave. I don't know if you guys thought the same thing, but I did. Yeah, I took it as a personal fuck you. You know, I'm not going to be able to get out of this situation, so I'm going to fuck with your head one last time. Try, try and get with you. And if anything, I took it as maybe just as a way to see if she could maybe get away with stuff for a little bit longer to tr- just to dangle something in front of them to see if mm. it would you know, pro- prolong the inevitable. Right. What do you think, Cool? Yeah. No, I kind of think it was one of those where it was a, a last-ditch FU. It was, you know, maybe that mm. last attempt to see if she can get away with something. Maybe he'll make a mistake if she can throw him off, upset right. him. I mean, ultimately, that is what happens. You know, he does what he's going to do, which is, you know, attempt to kill her. But, you know, she ends up with the last laugh there because, you know, he was so busy thinking that he did everything right and got everything done that he didn't make sure of one little detail. Which is, it was a great segue into the final moments of this movie where he takes out the switchblade knife and he stabs her in the neck. And, you know, you assume that she died, you know, that he did what he had to do. But now it's cleanup time. And I'm like, ah, why'd you have to use the Ramones? Uh, it was good. <laughs> you know, it was good. I didn't it like was... it. I was like, I like this song. It doesn't belong in this movie. Why is he fucking dancing? I'm like, all right. Well, he's a psychopath, so fine. But I just, I didn't like the fact that they used the Ramones song in this movie. I'm like, all right, fine. But I like <sighs> the fact that he thought he had everything fucking figured out. And he's like, oh, fuck, the pencil. <laughs> you know, like there's always that one thing that you didn't think about. Um, but and I like the fact that he was jittering around with a pencil on the door because he can't figure it out. I'm like, dude, go out the window. Like, but it, go, it went to show that he knew about the pencil, you oh, know, yeah. which up until that point, you know, we didn't know that he knew that the mother was doing that with this whole right. sleepwalking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was the scene on the, uh, the rooftop. Where, you know, he's, he's trying to go from the one room to his room so he could balance the pencil just right. Um, you know, that kind of annoyed me in a way because it was just too perfect. Where it's like, oh, fuck, the deer. Oh, I'll pick up the, the electronic deer. Oh, fuck, the fucking candy came. My parents are home. I was like, it just it seemed like it was working too much in his favor where he caught all these things. I'm like, let something fall. You know, so the parents are no. like, what the fuck's happening on the roof? 
It's no, because again, he you know thought of everything. He had shit dialed down. And unlike you, I really, really enjoyed the whole cleanup scene. Him dancing around to the Ramones and stuff like that, because he knows he's going to get away with it. He has mm-hmm. a plan. All he has to do is set everything up, and he, he knows exactly how long he's got until the parents get home. He knows exactly what he has to do, and the picture he's going to paint. And now he's got to set it all up and make it look pretty. You know, he, yeah. he knows that he's going to get away with it. And, and yeah, unlike you he, guys, and I apologize because I didn't realize this. You guys picked up on uh, picked up on it about the medication. I didn't, and the monkey reminded me last night about the sleeping medication that he takes. Because I was like, wait yeah. a second, like he planned all this stuff, and then he's gonna go lie in bed, and his parents are gonna go home and be like, oh fuck, what the fuck, like you know, and he's just asleep in his bed. And I was like, no, like they're yeah. you didn't hear any of this. And I'm like, well, no. wait, yeah, okay. Yep, because medication. the sleeping medicine knocks him out. Yep. And he took, I did and he not catch sure that until you told me about and, that last night, Monkey. Yeah, so and, he, and, and, and he made sure to take it so in case anything goes wrong, it's in his system. So it's if they want to check him and stuff like that, yep, it's in his system. He, yeah. He's got I, it all I covered here. He's, he's got definitely surprised covered. by that. He, he is going to get away with it. It's perfect. Yeah. But then... Because <laughs> when he touched those, cars, we have, like, oh, we have a survivor. <laughs> yeah. What the yeah. what the fuck you mean you're a survivor? <laughs> yeah, I took that like I'm like, like all right, he's taking his medication before bed. He's gonna lay down and he's just gonna lay there until his parents come home and start screaming. He's gonna like, what the fuck happened? Like you know, crazy shit, right? I'm like, wow, yeah, I completely forgot about the medication. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, I like the fact that you hear the paramedics saying, there's another survivor. We've got a live one. She put duct tape over the wound. I'm like, fuck yeah, Ashley. You do that shit. Like, I was so happy she survived. I was so glad that she had that moment of laying in the stretcher and whipping him the fuck off. Uh, he knows he's I... fucked, and uh, he is in for some shit. Possibly. Yeah, I, I would... I was so pissed off about that scene because I was I was 100% behind Luke about, you know, pulling this off. Like, I was enjoying him being this little mini serial killer and doing it and, like, getting everything all prepped and ready. And then we have this final moment where it all falls apart. And well, just, I don't know if it all falls apart. I no, I'm just saying, right then. I'm saying right now, it all like it all falls apart because it was not perfect. He did what he killed her, like he thought he did, and yeah, and now she's being taken away in a hospital but as she's given as she's given him the finger. And and it just question. pissed me off. And here's my question, because um, there's a little more to talk about before the finale. So yep. you have Luke setting it up, which is when you think about it, it's going to be a lover's quarrel. It's going to be Ricky, Jeremy, Ashley, Lover's Quarrel happening at the, the house. How do you explain Garrett? How do you explain him being having his head shot off? You know, or the shotgun? Uh, Jeremy the did thing. it. Okay. He, he puts uh, Jeremy's fingerprints on the shotgun. Yeah. I thought he was trying to have Jeremy's body hold the shotgun, and it just wouldn't hold. And that's why he took the shotgun away. I didn't no, know that was he had No, because he had the, the print paint on it. On it. Okay. So you figure that he got there, Garrett was still there when he wasn't supposed to be, 
and Jeremy ended up taking them all out, and that's, you know, he's apologizing to Ashley for everything that he did, which was murder all three of these people before taking his own life. Yep. Okay, see, that was my question, is because how do you explain Garrett? Like, I could understand Jeremy and Ricky and Ashley, but how do you explain the crossfire of, of Garrett? You know, it's like, you know, Just what is he Wrong place, to do wrong time. Which makes sense. Did you guys think that Ashley should survive? Or do you think that she should have just died? Because I love the fact, like I had said, that she survived. I don't think that she should have been a casualty of, of Luke's, you know, master plan on this Christmas night. Well, I, I just told you how I felt about it. So, Ghoul, what did you think? <laughs> I liked it. You know, I think it was a nice little turn at the end there. Um, you know, I think Luke had me up until the point that he killed Garrett, and then I think he went too far. Um you know, so, I mean, you know, which is really terrible to say if you think about all the other things that he had done prior to that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I was I was glad that we did have a survivor, and it just, you know, again, like I said, we don't we don't know what happens. We don't know if he goes to the hospital and, and ends up being able to take care of what he's got to take care of or, you know, or what. You know, obviously, you know, we like I said, watching this the second time through, you know, you get to, to see and pick up on things that you didn't, like, really think about the first time around. But, like, the whole – whatever it was that he had in the the vial that he poured into the champagne that supposedly was going to yep. make her forget everything, you know, and she mm-hmm. kicks it, and, and that's why he doesn't get to use it. You know, this time around, you like, I you know, it was never going to work. That was never meant to actually do anything. Um right. You know, and if you look at everything that Luke does, Luke does with a purpose, then part of that purpose was she was going to kick it out. You know, it was going to break. He was going to get too close Mm -hmm. and allow that to happen. It's just another excuse to do whatever it is that he wants to do. Right. Because, um, and, and Monkey and I talked about this the other night, when you think about it from a police investigation standpoint, once Ashley is, is uh, healed up and the police start asking questions, Who's going to believe her story like that? Yeah, I was babysitting this kid. He fucking went psycho, and fucking he said all these things in the motion. Like, I think they would more lend to Luke's story than to her. Yeah, no, I think, uh, well, again, you know, unfortunately for, I mean, obviously for her, the evidence is there. You know, and she's a character witness. It becomes a he said, she said type of situation. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't know where they would go with that. You know, unfortunately for her, you know, Luke did have the sleeping pill. Luke did have the pencil in place. There were plenty of things in Luke's favor that would show that he wasn't awake or around to do any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, and like I told you, you know, he said, she said thing, but then it's going to be, then it's going to become a more thorough investigation of the scene. They're going to be checking shit out. You know, who knows? They might find those footprints on the rooftop, you know. <laughs> um, well, depends on how thorough they are with the investigation. Yes, I think but that's it's what a I'm clear-cut saying. Case. Yeah. I'm not saying it's clear-cut. I'm saying that then it would become a more thorough investigation, and they would investigate the scene more so when they get her statement. But that's if they get her statement. Because even though I didn't like that ending, I like that then they throw in a little scene afterwards for those of us who may not have liked that she got away. 
because then Luke and his mom are in the window watching the ambulance pull away, and Luke goes, I'm worried about Ashley. I think we should go to the hospital and see her. And I was like, right. yes! <laughs> well, you know, the other thing that which, I took away from the movie this time, too, mm-hmm. you know, the whole premise is supposed to be that Luke wants to get with his babysitter. Right. Yeah. I don't think that was the real premise here. And I think that might okay. have been what Ashley's little secret was of knowing why the mother wouldn't want to do that with him anymore. I think mm. all of this was actually because Luke just wanted to be with his mommy again. And I think this was all an Oedipus yeah. complex type of film yeah. in which, you know, he wanted to get with his mom. He probably got inappropriate at some point. And that's why, you know, she stopped doing what she was doing. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's why he's on the sleeping pill, you know? Maybe that's why she's worried he's sleepwalking again. He might be popping up into the room sleepwalking, and it's, you know, a matter of him touching mommy. And that's a great Could point to bring up because, yeah, it leads to that whole that whole thing um, with him asking Ashley, you know, why do you know why my mom stopped, you know, carrying me and caring so much? You know, maybe she did see the writing on the wall. You know, that he is a little bit of a psychotic, you know, that he is trying to have an Oedipal kind of complex with his mother, um, you know, and it, it kind of leads credence to that kind of a theory, you know, in the movie where it's, you know, she's a little bit scared of her son, maybe. You don't get it, mm-hmm. you know, in the movie, but maybe she is kind of scared of what Luke is really capable of. Yeah, because it's not like we see any moments where she she is like cuddling him or hugging him, you know, right. before they go off to dinner yeah. or anything like that. So it is a possibility. No, she's very just kind of you know your babysitter's here. We're gonna you know we're going off to do our own thing and that's it. You know, so there could be a purpose behind why she has the pencil, why there's the sleeping pills. You know, because he has this kind of Oedipal complex of his mom because he wants to know why she stopped caring so much. You know, which leads to the whole psychopath serial killer thing that we talked about earlier with Ted Bundy and all these other serial killers. You know, there's a purpose behind why they do what they do. And usually it's because of something that happened within their family. Um, So, I mean, it it leads more credence to Luke as a psychopath. And I did, you know, enjoy it because I felt like, you know, if he grows up, he could be Patrick Bateman, (laughs) you know, (laughs) growing up in in Manhattan, you know, and and getting more articulate with his kills because this is the – like the monkey had said, this is the birth of a serial killer. Like this is what you're watching mm-hmm. is the birth of a serial killer. Who actually likes to have fun while he does it? So I took this as pretty much this movie is uh, home, home Alone, except this time the wet bandits end up meeting the dude from American Psycho, and he just goes all fucking crazy on their asses. <laughs> Which always, you know, that's the one of the things as we close out the episode. It's one of those things as I watch Home Alone now as an adult, how Kevin McAllister didn't become a serial killer. Because <laughs> these traps that he makes for the West Bandits, you know, Joe Pesci and, and Daniel Stern, I'm like, yeah, he's really fucking creative. He's probably going to go on to kill a lot of people <laughs> when he gets older because of how creative he is and how he can get away with it. But he grows they up want to go that dark. It's a family movie. He, he, he yeah, I would definitely think he's up. more a jigsaw. <laughs> Right? He is definitely going to have some people trapped in a basement somewhere. (laughs) As an adult. You know, he's he's not going to be the Christmas kid that we know him as. He's going to follow Robert Blossom's the next door neighbor with a shovel. Yep. 
I know where to put my victims now. <laughs> so, let's, it leads to a whole other uh, set of circumstances. Because even when you think about it, what is Luke going to do when he gets to the hospital? You know, <laughs> I want to see. I want to make sure he says, what are you going to do to kill this girl, the last thread of the night? Like, I don't see him doing anything, really. It's because that's, that's going to be a difficult thread to close up to try to, to kill off Ashley. I don't know. It's like that's the thing that I just like that they leave that open ending there to where, yeah. you know, he he just might get away with it. You don't know. And I think he would. Like, you know, like we had talked about, I think he's going to get away with it either way. You know, even if she wakes up out of, of getting healed and goes, oh, he's a psychopath. you, you got to kill him. Like, no cop is going to be like, yeah, sure. So, you know, your your psychopathic daydream of Luke killing everybody and, and you know, you being the victim, that's nah, not going to fly. But it, it, it's an interesting theory. You know, I don't know if we're ever going to see a Better Watch Out 2, but maybe. No. I, I don't know how well this movie did, so I can't say that, you know, it was a blockbuster and, you know, we're going to have a sequel in another two years. So, I don't know. I don't know if it ever had a theatrical release, but I know it was it was well received both critically and and people seem to enjoy it. So yeah. uh, I, I still don't think that that leads credence to there needing to be a sequel. Um, mm, no, you know, but we've also seen sequels made to movies like fucking uh, Silent Night Deadly Night. You know, so you well, never know. <laughs> I know. I mean. I could have a whole episode talking about the sequels of Silent Deadly Night and where they went with those sequels, like Garbage Day in Silent Night Deadly Night 2, where it's a clip show of a movie. Um, yeah, I could whole, I can have a whole podcast just talking about the Silent Night Deadly Night series and where they went with Don Rickles in Part 5 and Toymaker. So, yeah. I'm good, thanks, uh, though. Whole, uh, yeah, that's a whole dissertation for another episode. Um, so as we close out the episode... Uh, as I had said earlier in the episode, uh, the doc wasn't able to join us because of his schedule, but next week it is his pick. Um, he did give us what he wants to talk about next week, which is a movie that just came out this year, which is kind of a conflicting movie for a lot of people, whether it's good or bad, and that's hereditary. So we're going to be tackling another movie from 2018 that had a big impact. Um, and I think we've been doing a great job with that, guys. Talking about the elevated race this year. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see about hereditary. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I know Monkey, you've seen it. I have not. Um, so I'm looking forward to digging in the hereditary. But I think um, we've done a great job of covering a lot of movies that came out this year, like Mandy, uh, Puppet Master, Little Shrike, uh, Strangers Pray at Night. So why not tackle another one and hereditary as we close out 2018? So I'm looking forward to it. Well, it is the holiday season, and what better way to do that than talk about families? Yeah. Fucked up or not. What better way? Go ahead, Go. And Google, speaking of the holiday season. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, well, speaking of the holiday season, well, you know, here's a segue for you that sucked. I didn't take that fucking ball and run with it, huh? Um, <laughs> head over to, to Bonfire Beat Designs on Etsy, all one word. Uh, she's got all kinds of gifts for you, dark stuff for your girlfriend, boyfriend, dog, cat, you know, you name it. You want to put a jewel, you want to put a ring on it, she's got them. We'll put a bracelet, necklace, 
again, all handcrafted jewelry, beautiful stuff, creepy things, pretty things, all kinds of fun stuff in there, man. So just check it out. All one word, Bonfire Beat Designs. Get it. All right. I might actually be reaching out to Bonnie eventually uh, in the new year because I have some uh, ideas I want to get done. So I'll be reaching out to her to see if I can get some jewelry done for my own uh, girl that I started dating recently. I know that she's really interested in weird jewelry, so looking forward to kind of discussing some ideas with her about what I can get. So definitely check them out on Etsy. So thank you for that you're so, plug. You're so cute. <laughs> I'm just a nice guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Mucky, thank you so much for joining us. Want to do your sign-off? Yeah. Cool. Thank, thank you for picking the movie. I had a great time watching this movie. Seriously, if you have not seen this movie, check it out. You'll have a blast. And as for me, I'm the Mad Monkey. Thanks for letting me come in your ear. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> monkey Juice. <laughs> you know your sign off, and I love it so much. Why don't you go ahead and do that for us? Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. Excellent. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned next week when we talk about hereditary. As for me, I'm your old pal, the King Horror, Andy G, saying have a good week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week to talk about a new movie. Why not? Let's do it.